0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to ABC News Live. I'm Diane Macedo. We're starting things off with two states of emergency this morning. First, in Virginia, a year since those deadly Charlottesville protests. New rallies are planned for all over the country. We have a reporter on the ground in Charlottesville. We're also watching California very closely. A state of emergency is underway there, with a new wildfire now encroaching on neighborhoods. We'll have the latest on that, but first, here are your tap headlines.
1: New protests over the national anthem, NFL players taking the field during preseason games and some of them taking a knee or raising a fist as the music began. The president commenting this morning in a series of tweets, the NFL players are at it again, taking a knee when they should be standing proudly for the national anthem. Numerous players from different teams wanted to show their outrage at something that most of them are unable to define. They make a fortune doing what they love. Be happy, be cool. An immigration hearing in Washington taking a sudden turn when the judge found out that the mother and daughter involved were already on a plane back to El Salvador. Judge Emmett Sullivan called it outrageous and ordered the plane to turn around. He also threatened to hold Attorney General Jeff Sessions in contempt. The horror movie Slender Man is opening this weekend, but some theaters in Wisconsin won't show it. In 2014, a pair of girls inspired by the stories about the character lured a friend into the woods and stabbed her several times.
0: Hi, everyone. We're going to start things off this morning with a state of emergency declared in Virginia. As we approach that one-year mark from those deadly protests in Charlottesville, Virginia, new rallies are planned for all over the country with fears of more violence to come. ABC's Eva Pilgrim is there in Charlottesville on the ground. and Eva, what's the vibe there right now?
2: there's definitely a weight that's over the
0: city that everyone
2: remembers what happened here just last year and and those memories are still very vivid the pain is still very real and and people in this community are still dealing with the memories and the trauma of what happened here we're joined with Susan bro you are the mother of heather, heather Heyer who was the woman who was killed here at this intersection last year right when that car came flying down I mean, your life has been dramatically changed.
3: Dramatically, um, I used to sit at home and knit and crochet uh, in the evenings. I was a government secretary. Kept my political opinions pretty much to myself, my family, and friends because uh, I'm in a very different position now. I'm considered an activist now, mm-hmm. an advocate, and an ally. In honor of your daughter. In honor of my daughter, but it's the right thing to do you don't get to shut my child up and get away with it. So whatever message, as long as she and I believe the same message, I will pick up and run with that. And we did, we did believe the same.
2: You come here a lot. Why?
3: Um, this is where I feel a connection to Heather. Uh, she's with me all the time. I'm always aware of her, but this is where she was taken from me. This is where people leave thoughts and comments about her. And so for me, this is where I come to absorb the energy. Sometimes I'll come late in the evening and um, just sit or stand and read things. Um, They're not written to me. They're written to the public or they're written to Heather. And so I um, come to sort of commune with the energy that's here.
2: To know that there's rallies planned again this weekend. It's been one year. Yeah. What goes through your head thinking about all the things, all the preps that are happening now, the conversations that are happening again?
3: Maybe we're in a little bit of an overkill with the police state this year coming. Maybe not, I don't know, but um, it is what it is and we will move forward in spite of, because of, or whatever. But I'm moving forward. We're trying to make the world a better place and either get on board or get out of the way.
2: Last year when this happened, I remember it sort of forced us to talk about things that we just don't talk about. I mean, we don't talk about race in America very often, especially not publicly on the national stage. Do you think that's a conversation that we still need to be having? Oh,
3: absolutely. Um, If we don't have that conversation, we're going to be back in this position again in no time. This is the root of the problem, is that we've always acted as if people of color, particularly black lives, have never mattered in this country, starting with the genocide of Native Americans and moving right on through to slavery and beyond. And until we acknowledge that and try to make some reparation for that, I don't see how we as a country can move forward. Uh, We've got to heal the wounds that are so deep and so nasty and so infected. If we try to rush and heal it over and everybody just shake hands and get along, then we've solved nothing.
2: How do you want people to remember this weekend and remember Heather as they do? I don't want them to
3: think about Heather as much as I want them to think about what she was here for. She was here for equality for everyone, and she was here not as a leader, not at the head of the pack. She was a supporter. She was an advocate. And then she was an was Actually, pretty far back in the pack. He plowed through a lot of people to get to her. Um, she was not an assassination, it, she was a random murder of a hate crime. And um, so, focus on the issues, focus on no place for hate, focus on let's have those difficult conversations because without those, the country is not going to heal.
2: Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And, Diane, you know, they have a lot of preparations in place both here in Charlottesville and in D.C. In, in advance of these rallies and the protesters that are expected. In D.C., they're actually not allowing people, even with a concealed carry permit, to have guns near the rallies just in an attempt to make sure people are indeed safe and that they are able to keep the peace.
0: Uh, and, and, Eva, what do, are you starting to see signs of that security going up already? We, we can already
2: see some barricades and some places that are set up for events. Um, here in Charlottesville they haven't blocked off roads completely yet. They have put out a map so the public knows what roads will be blocked off and there's a list of things here that you just cannot have which is very different than last year. Uh, simple things like even for us we can't carry a tripod, tripod for our cameras or have boom microphones um, once uh, these events start to happen so they're really making sure that there aren't sticks or anything that can be used as a weapon Uh, to hurt people.
0: All right. They're clearly trying to be a little more careful than they were last year with good reason. Eva Pilgrim, Eva, thanks so much. And great interview with Heather's mom there. I'm sure it's a painful weekend for her, uh, but a big weekend in Charlottesville and all over the country. And we're glad you're there to keep an eye on it for us. Thanks, Eva. Uh, Moving on now to the White House, where the woman once called the Manhattan Madam, known for running an escort service, will actually be testifying today before special counsel Robert Mueller's grand jury. Uh, David Wright is in Bedminster, New Jersey, where the president is on vacation. And uh, David, what is Mueller hoping to get from this testimony?
4: Well, she's an unusual witness for this Mueller grand jury, that's for sure. But Kristen Davis is close with Trump Uh, advisor Roger Stone. He's godfather to her two-year-old son. She is, as you say, somebody who became famous as the Manhattan Madam running an (laughs) escort service that serviced lots of high-profile clients uh, and became a household name at the time that uh, Elliot Spitzer was caught up in a prostitution scandal and had to resign as New York governor. Uh, Mueller has been asking her about possible connections between Roger Stone and WikiLeaks, which was the conduit for a lot of those Democratic emails hacked by the Russians. Stone admits that he's close to her, uh, but says she knows nothing about WikiLeaks or the Russians and insists that he did nothing wrong in any case.
0: And how much do we know about her at this point and what she might say?
4: Well, she had a meeting last week uh, with the Mueller team. Uh, we know that. Uh, and we know that they've been questioning her about WikiLeaks. Uh, what she we'll say when she's expected to appear at this grand jury. We don't know. All of that takes place behind closed doors and at the prosecutor's uh, discretion.
0: All right. Many people, I'm sure, wishing to be a fly on that wall, David. Uh, But I want to move on. The NFL preseason is underway. And again, players, we're seeing them protest during the national anthem. I know the president's not too happy about. What's the latest on that back and forth?
4: Well, this is a bugbear for President Trump, and uh, today he wasted no time lashing out at the players who took a knee during the national anthem in their first preseason games. He said that those players have no business protesting when they make a fortune doing what they love. And he said, quote, be happy, be cool. A football game where people have paid so much money to watch and enjoy is not a place for a protest. The NFL, as you know, has a policy now in place, in part because of this scandal, that says uh, that NFL players on the field have to stand during the national anthem. They're allowed to stay in the locker room if they want. Trump is now calling for the NFL to sanction those players, saying that they should be suspended without pay.
0: Yeah. it's uh, Based on the preseason, it doesn't look like those uh, policies are going to do too much to stop these players who want to protest, David, but we'll see as the actual season gets underway. David Wright in Bedminster, New Jersey. Thanks, David. Uh, On now to the prosecution of former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. The prosecution in his fraud case is expected to rest their case today. Catherine Falders is in Alexandria, Virginia, keeping an eye on that case for us. Uh, And Catherine, what are some of yesterday's big takeaways? And then what are we looking forward to today? Yeah. So yesterday
5: uh, we learned uh, more about the the bank fraud side of this. The big takeaways from yesterday was that we learned Manafort applied and obtained a $3.4 million loan from the bank. He did that by declaring one of his properties as a second home and not a rental. We had a mortgage loan assistant testify yesterday that she in fact found that home um, listed uh, for rent online and that in fact that was not uh, the case. We also Um, learned uh, more about the falsified insurance letters that Manafort sent to banks. And the other element of this, if you've been following the judge, the judge, Judge T.S. Ellis, in this case, he's quite a character. He's had the room in laughs uh, multiple times, but he's also been known to spar um, with the prosecutors, with the prosecution. So uh, yesterday, he actually, um, a rare, he issued a rare apology to prosecutors. He said that he was wrong when he had admonished them the day before for allowing one of their witnesses to stay in the courtroom during other witness testimony. So those were the big takeaways
0: uh, from yesterday, Diane. We're used to seeing fireworks in the court. Not usually from the judge, though, Catherine. Interesting that he apologized. Right. And then uh, we're hearing the prosecution has four witnesses left. So what are we expecting there? Yes, so they're expected to rest their
5: case today. They have four witnesses left, but just a couple minutes ago, I got word uh, from the court that they were had they had some sort of deliberation with the judge um, this morning around 10:15, and they went into uh, a brief recess. The judge said he would be gone for 15 minutes. Well, it's a little after 11, and he's still not back yet. We don't know what's going on, but it could potentially influence um, the prosecution's ability to rest their case if they've if they've just lost about an hour in there, but. That said, we do still expect them to rest their case today. They have four witnesses. Two of those witnesses testifying today are witnesses with government
0: immunity. They're mortgage bankers who loaned Manafort money, Diane, in 2016. And so what happens next? If the prosecution rests their case, is the defense expected to call witnesses of their own? They are. We expect the defense to call witnesses. Now, they haven't
5: released their witness list, and of course that big question is, Will their client, will Paul Manafort, in fact, take the stand? I asked um, the lead attorney, Kevin Downing, that this morning, and he didn't answer the question. He ignored me when I asked that. Um, but that's what we expect. We expect the defense will call their witnesses. They will be shorter. We, we expect maybe about um, two days or so. But again, they are going to make this all about the prosecution star witness, Rick Gates. You remember from uh, opening statements, they made this all about Gates. They said that Manafort's alleged crimes were, in fact, um, Rick Gates' fault, and he was actually really the man behind them. So uh, even though he's not testifying here again,
0: he's still going to be very much a topic of conversation going into next week. Undoubtedly. And of course, that big question looming out there, will Paul Mountport take the stand? We will wait and see. Catherine Falder's out there in Alexandria, Virginia for us. Great job, Catherine. Thank you. And now we're going to go over to California, where a state of emergency is underway. The Holy Fire, one of the newer fires out there, is now scorching thousands of acres, actually closing in on neighborhoods and forcing 20,000 evacuations. ABC's Will Carr is there.
6: Good morning, Diane. The Holy Fire is still burning out of control. This is a very intense situation. These flames still bearing down on thousands of homes in this community. Now, we have been on the front lines. Firefighters have been working around the clock, doing everything they can to try to get a hold and jump on top of these flames. Over the last 12 hours, we've seen this fire make a serious run throughout this community. Fire crews have been doing a great job making airdrops. You can see they're coming up here a hand crew. They're going to try to put some of these flames out. There are more than 14,000 firefighters on the front lines across California right now. The residents in this community tell me they are grateful to the men and women who continue to put their lives on the line. And Jeff, if you can spin around, I want to show you just how close these flames are burning to homes in this area. You can see a fire engine there. They've been sitting out all night. They're doing structure protection in case these flames once again decide to pick up and make a run. So if you come back around, you can see these flames have burned down this ridge throughout the course of the night. This is still a very volatile, a very fluid situation. Residents are under mandatory evacuation. They're hoping that when they come back into this community, their homes will still be standing. Diane, All right, back cer- to you.
0: Certainly hope their homes are preserved. Anybody else think Will's a little too close to those flames? I think Will... Well, it's time to get down. You're making us all nervous over here. Uh, But while the West is dealing with those wildfires and the extreme heat, making them harder to fight, the East is bracing for a major washout. We have Ginger Z here now with the full forecast for us. Ginger
7: thank you let's go ahead and start with those friday weather headlines still have to talk about wildfire and the horrible conditions happening out west Uh, this is the holy fire images from that still stunning to see it moving into the neighborhoods a state of emergency declared there they'll still be very hot this weekend but most of the red flag warnings and fire watches have pushed to the north and there's a reason behind that we have this big ridge and it's going to allow the humidity levels the relative humidity to be so low From 7 to 8% there in parts of the northern Rockies. Look at Great Falls at 8%. Add a wind gust of 25 to 35 miles per hour, and you've just created this powder keg that's ready to create wildfires or at least to amp them up. Now, you see that ridge. That's the one responsible that's backed up and up to the north and why it's going to be even hotter in Great Falls than it is perhaps or close to as hot as Las Vegas, Um, definitely look at Yuma, Arizona, same temperature, 108 Boise. So a hot start to the weekend as we go through the Northern Rockies. You go to the East Coast, it's completely opposite. We've got the rain showers that are gonna be moving through. Of course, it doesn't rain all day, but it's gonna be a pretty pretty ugly weekend. You see the rain in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania had their wettest July on record, and you're gonna go for up to three inches in some of the pockets this weekend. So watch for that. And then I wanna leave you with one last look at what Hector left behind, Hurricane Hector that moved south of Hawaii, the big island. Big, big waves. Have a great Friday.
0: All right. Ginger Z is not the bearer of good news unless you're a surfer this weekend, but hopefully you guys enjoy it. We still uh, have a little more news to get to, though. First, an investigation is underway at at O'Hare Airport. After a flight missed the runway, touching down on the grass instead and then nearly hitting another plane. Our own Jeff Cook is monitoring that for us. And Jeff, the FAA says this is so rare, they don't even have numbers to say how often it happens. So what did happen here?
8: That's right. Federal investigators want to know why an Air China cargo flight in June landed at one of the busiest airports in the world in Chicago. But... It went off the runway. It actually landed in the grass before going around and knocked over some equipment before going around and taking off and coming around again. It did land safely 20 minutes later, but this is a potentially disastrous situation, when, especially at a busy airport. You can see that there's planes standing by waiting to go on that runway themselves. If a, if a 747, a massive plane like this Air China flight, comes down and strikes one of those planes, it can spell disaster. So the FAA wants to know why this happened and what they can do to prevent it from happening again. I
0: mean, just looking at the video, it makes you nervous thinking about what could have gone wrong. So much already did, but it could have been so much worse. Do they have any inclination uh, as to what happened yet? Or is this still a big question mark?
8: No, it's a question mark at this moment. Investigators usually take months to find out exactly what happened. They're gonna interview everybody involved. But one thing that stands out here is that The controllers were trying to find out immediately after the situation what happened. And when trying to make contact with the pilot in the plane, they were having trouble actually getting an answer for what happened. Now, that's actually against FAA regulations. You have to answer the controllers. And Chicago police actually had to dispatch some investigators themselves to meet the Air China cargo flight after it landed to talk to the pilot about what happened. He said that he deviated from the runway and he regained control of the aircraft and went around, but they're gonna want more answers than that. That, and they're going to want to know why he wasn't open in the first place
0: all right well we will stand by to get them jeff cook for us monitoring that plane situation at o'hare airport thanks so much jeff thanks Diane. finally to a flight of a different kind the trump administration is unveiling new plans for that space force that they want to incorporate into the military they're even now asking the public to vote on a logo abc's martha Raditz is here with the latest on that and martha i understand it's the campaign that's actually creating this logo It it is the campaign,
9: Uh, as soon as Vice President uh, Mike Pence Finished speaking yesterday at the Pentagon and laying out their plan, their plans for this space force. The Trump-Pence campaign, shortly after that, uh, put out these logos and had their supporters vote on which one they liked best, and they will be selling merchandise based on that. But we're a long way from this space force. They are taking steps at the Pentagon uh, because this is what the President of the United States wants, the Commander in Chief. He wants this separate military branch, so the Pentagon is looking at that but it would be an act of congress it would take an act of congress before anything like that could happen but there are other steps that the Pentagon can take uh, without congress and and there's something and this is an important differentiation i think it's lost on a lot of people they want a space command a combatant command that's separate we have central command we have indo-pacific command and the pentagon is trying by the end of the year to have a four-star general in charge of space command very different than having a sixth military branch
0: that is what would take an act of congress got it and so martha given all these you know sort of intricacies of how you make this happen how feasible is this plan and is there any feedback from the military at this point?
9: Well I I, you know originally uh, Jim Mattis had said he was against any kind of Space Force but now that the commander-in-chief wants one he has to really get on board and they're coming up with plans to see if that would work but again uh, that's going to go through a very divided Congress before that can happen but you can see sort of something in between I think you know clearly space is a potential war fighting domain, and we're not talking about uh, you know guys in space suits running around with lightsabers. Our satellites are up there, our commercial satellites, our military satellites, our intelligence satellites, and those drive everything from tracking missiles to our own GPS on our phones. And, and China and Russia have made advances in anti satellite technology. Uh, Vice President Pence pointed that out yesterday. But It's also important to remember we already have a space command that's under the Air Force. There are 30,000 people Uh, who work on trying to protect our assets in space right now.
0: Well, definitely a lot up there to protect. But, Martha, the lightsabers would be pretty cool, though, wouldn't they? (laughs) Yeah, you
9: know, everybody has ideas not only for logos, but but what about those uniforms? (laughs) But they would be based on Earth, okay? But I'm sure they could have some pretty cool uniforms.
0: All right. Well, Martha Raditz there from D.C. keeping track of the Space Force for us. I never thought I'd say that, Martha. Yeah, not just global (laughs)
9: affairs correspondent. I'm space correspondent now, too. We need to
0: promote you. That's it. It's official. All right, Martha Raddatz, our space correspondent. Thanks, Martha. You bet. And that does it for us today at ABC News Live. But don't forget, you can get the day's headlines all day long at abcnews.com or at the ABC News app. For ABC News Live, I'm Diane Macedo. Have a great day and a great weekend, everybody.